We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Along with us is going to be TJ Inman, hopefully. Sorry we had to cancel the other um, the other episode. There was some audio uh, issues going on on the end of our co-host. So hopefully this has figured it out. If not, we'll, we'll do another podcast uh, at another time. So... Uh, Let's try and get TJ Inman in, and and we'll talk IU IU football offense. So the podcast, if if you're listening live, uh, we apologize for the technical difficulties. We're going to go over the Indiana offense as detailed as we possibly can. Uh, we'll start with the quarterbacks and and go on from there. Uh, so. Here we try uh, to get TJ Inman on again. TJ, can you hear me finally? I can, yes. The wonderful sound of your voice coming through crystal clear. Let's go. Awesome. All right. Uh, so, offensive preview, offense is uh, going to live and die with the play of the quarterback. Let's break down that quarterback position. Uh, TJ, I've been to a handful of practices over the last couple of weeks. Uh, there were some concerns, not concerns, but questions uh, with Richard Lego coming in. There was no quarterback competition. Uh, I just want to make that clear. But there were things that he needed to improve upon. Uh, you know, could he be the leader uh, that Nate Sudfeld was uh, in the locker room and on the field? And then could he be productive like Nate? Uh, we know that Rich has has all the the tools he has a strong arm i believe one of the preview magazines had him as the strongest arm in the big 10 uh, but can he fix his accuracy issues can he make better decisions uh and check that ball down a little bit instead of trying to force it into tight windows and from all that i've seen at practice especially when the big 10 network was there richard lego is is head and shoulders uh better than he was last year when Big Ten Network was in town. That was the best I had seen him at practice uh, since he had been on campus. So what is your take on on, on Lego quarterback? The uh, Two things really stand out to me. Number one, as you said, Lego has to be better at uh, taking care of the ball. And that means that his accuracy has to improve. But, you know, more importantly, I think you mentioned that his decision-making – has to improve. Uh, He needs to do a better job of accepting that 
throwing the ball away or, like you said, checking down, uh, you know, for a, a five, six-yard gain and giving a playmaker a chance to maybe do something with the ball once they get it as opposed to trying to pick up a, you know, 25-yard uh, route across the middle or, you know, when you get pressured, thrown off your back foot, overextending yourself, uh, taking those risks away and doing a better job of of making those decisions. For me, the second thing, and, and one that goes hand-in-hand hand with that, uh, is that the system needs to cater a little bit better to him to allow him to make those decisions. Last year's offense didn't feature very many checkdowns. There weren't a lot of opportunities for him to decide, okay, it's not there 25 yards down the field. It's not there on the uh, on the crossing route 20 yards down the field. Uh, they've got that covered. There's pressure coming at me. He didn't have the opportunity to duck it or to dump it down to a tight end on a you know on a, a delayed uh, delayed route after the tight end shifts on a block. Uh, he didn't have the opportunity to dump it down to a running back that had leaked out of the backfield. Um, those routes really were not a part of last year's offense near enough, in my opinion. And I think Mike DeBoard has talked about it this off season uh, that they're going to cater that a little bit more, which means more use of the tight end, more use of the running backs out of the backfield. And we'll talk about both of those positions later and how the personnel fits that uh, really well for Indiana. Uh, So I think the junction with Lego just being more comfortable uh, in his second year, knowing exactly what he's getting into in terms of the Big Ten competition, knowing what's required of him as a leader, just doing maturing uh, in terms of preparation. He's spoken about all those things, but really uh, the way that his teammates and his coaches talk about him is much different than the way it was a year ago. And I think the Lego has seized this team and this offense. It really is his. And as you said, this offense is going to rise and fall by his play. I think if he can cut those interceptions, for me, uh, I don't think it's wise to, to put a number on it necessarily. But because you know the timing of the interception, the placement of the interception uh, is just as important sometimes as whether or not you throw one. Uh, but I think if Richard Lego can cut down the interceptions, get those down near single digits, and not put the defense into very many bad spots where they're letting the opposing offense take over inside of IU's territory, I think it'll be a very successful senior year for Lego because all of the weapons are there for him to have a big senior year. Yeah, definitely. And, and check the checkdowns, you, you we heard about the quarterback friendly system um, yeah. at media day. And we, we heard uh, Tom Allen talk about that. And I think, you know, you know we also ca- heard coach Donardo both on with us and, and when he was at IU with uh, BTN talk about the run pass options. And I think that's out of the offense now. And I, I think, I really think that's going to help his, his decision-making being in the, yeah. Being a junior college transfer and only having two years to learn this offense put him at such a disadvantage. And and RPOs are it needs you need some time to develop those skills and to read the defenses. And Lego was just thrown into the fire immediately. Uh, and just I don't think he developed those skills as much as 
he needed to, and, and that's no fault of his own. Um, you know, that's just – you had 15 practices to get ready and then a fall camp to get ready. Uh, and I, just, I think he's, he's more set this year and, and taking away those RPOs, especially when uh, Rich didn't really have the, the threat of running last year. Um, should open some more windows and he has a ton of weapons and we'll talk about those uh, here in a little bit, but let's talk about the, our two biggest concerns. I think I could speak for you as well. were offensive line and running back. Uh, let's start with the offensive line. It's um, yeah, we know real, Brandon real Knight quick. is yeah, go ahead. Real quick. I, I want to mention, I want to mention that uh, just for, you know, we, I mean, we talked about this, uh, through text message last night, um, not sharing state secrets here. I mean, Peyton Ramsey, clear number two, uh, and and we both feel pretty good about his ability to, at the very least, prevent a catastrophe if he has to see some snaps in 2017. Uh, and, and we both kind of feel like it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world uh, to somehow work Ramsey into the offense some, but. Uh, I just want to let it let it be known that Peyton Ramsey uh, has had himself a, a very nice off season uh, and and so far a very good summer camp after a good spring. Uh, so Ramsey coming along very well. So uh, I just wanted to mention that before we move on. Yeah, and and let's get to that quarterback depth as well. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying to confirm whether or not IU got a, a commitment from a Maryland corner. Uh, as the show was going on. So my mind is uh-huh. kind of split. Um, we'll see. I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't been able to confirm it a hundred percent, but we'll see. Uh, huh. But the quarter quarterback depth, um, you know, as you said, Peyton Ramsey has, has played well this spring and he's going to be an important part. You know, you have to go into the season uh, with a backup quarterback who you could trust to put in there just in case uh, either Lego gets hurt or he struggles where, you know, you have another option. Um, Hopefully neither of those things happen, but uh, more importantly, it's for the 2018 season. Uh, You know, Rich is going to be graduating after this season and they need somebody who can get some game experience this year, whether or not, whether it be a, a specific package uh, for Ramsey or bringing him in uh, into games that have more or less already been decided uh, to get those right. all important game reps. Uh, and then behind him, uh, you know, Nick Tronti, I, I think has had a very good fall camp. I don't know if he's going to be in the mix to play uh, or if he'll take a red shirt season, but he's, he's clearly in the mix for that number two spot. Uh, he's, shown uh, that he can make all he can make a lot of the throws as a, as a true freshman I think it hurt him not coming in in for spring practice but he's already jumped over Austin King who is fallen to fourth on the depth chart um, and, and it, for all intents and purposes is out of that quarterback race and and unless something catastrophic happens I don't see him playing and his time at IU you know maybe we see him transfer here to to get an opportunity somewhere else uh, to show his skills, but Nick Tronti, um, especially going into 2018, uh, him and Peyton Ramsey uh, will battle it out for that starters role. But right now they're battling it out for that backup quarterback role. And hopefully we get to see them in a game, uh, hopefully an IU blowout 
Um, but, you know, uh, having that depth and, and getting one or both of them into a game uh, this season is important going forward for IU. But right now it's Richard Lego's show, and he has improved tremendously. So let's let's go back to that uh, that offensive line. Uh, we know Brandon Knight has been limited uh, during camp. We'll see what his availability is during, uh, for Ohio State. Um, and But right now you're looking at Delroy Baker and Coy Cronk at the two tackles, who I think you're comfortable with going in. Delroy is kind of that super sub who could play uh, both tackle positions and both guard positions. He, he told us at, at uh, an interview during fall camp uh, that – he uh, he could play anything but center, uh, and then we'll see what happens if and when Brandon Knight comes back. Do they move him? Uh, do they move him around? Do they move him to center? Do they put Delroy at guard? Because uh, uh, Darren Hiller said he wants his best five or five best linemen on the field, uh, and then moving yeah. inside, you have Wes Martin, who is the elder statesman on that on that line uh, at. At one of the guard positions, Simon Stepniak, who, who has really done a solid job at the other. And then you have uh, Hunter Littlejohn uh, running with that first-team unit right now. And then uh, you don't sleep on, on true freshman Harry Kreider. He's gotten praise from the coaching staff all fall camp. And that center position, uh, he's turned that into, a, into a, an open competition. Uh, and whether or not he starts opening night, uh, I, I think you will see Harry Kreider at center at some point. So what, what's your take on the offensive line? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a really interesting unit because you typically, uh, you typically like to have a lot of experience there. What Indiana has is a, a I think, of experience combined with uh, some youth. Um, as we know, Indiana has lost a whole lot of talent over the last few years, and you don't lose guys like Jason Spriggs and Dan Feeney without, you know, without noticing. Uh, Indiana's not a program that, that can lose all Americans like that and just not notice. Very few programs are in that position. Um, but I do feel pretty good about number one, I feel really good about a couple of guys on this line, and those two are Wes Martin, uh, who I think is a really underappreciated guy. He has he's played a lot of games. He has a lot of experience. Yeah, he's just a redshirt junior, but uh, Wes Martin has has a lot of it starting and playing experience. Uh, and then Coy Cronk, I think Coy Cronk is Indiana's you know next great offensive lineman, if you will. Uh, plays with a good mean streak that you'll like from the left tackle. And I think he, he has all the physical tools uh, to be an NFL player when his four years in Indiana are done. Uh, and then, then you've got some, some question marks, uh, to, to be honest. But I think that there's enough options that Indiana has of guys that are were pretty well regarded coming out of high school, guys that have contributed some already. Uh, so they're not completely green out there. Uh, players like Delroy Baker and Simon Stepaniak, um, who I do think could be a, a really good three-year starter by the time his career's done at guard. Uh, I think that the biggest question mark is that center position and the health of Brandon Knight. Uh, 
Brandon Knight, if he can get back, and I'm not saying for the Ohio State game, that's a tight timeline, who knows what will happen. But if he can get back and be 100% for the majority of the year, that gives you, in my opinion, six offensive linemen that you feel very good about. Uh, And then up to potentially eight or nine, depending on the progression of Harry Kreider and Hunter Littlejohn, that gives you eight or nine that you feel really uh, could develop a line that, uh, you know, I think are looking like really good future options. When you look overall at the line, I think that you like the potential that they have to be exceptional in 2018 because everybody is slated to come back, and then you're just adding more talent to it as they continue to recruit well and you're able to register it, guys, uh, which is definitely what you're looking for there. Uh, But for 2017, the biggest question is the health of Brandon Knight and then – the development of that center position, who's going to step up and take that uh, take that bull by the horns. I think it ends up being Harry Kreider. I loved his tape. Uh, I loved everything that I've heard his high school coaches say um, and that I've heard Indiana's coaches say and that we've heard about him. I think that, you know, ready-made collegers uh, do not enter as freshmen very often. They just don't. Um, Typically, guys that are centers have to be developed in college. Harry Kreider is a rare guy that played center exclusively in high school, and I think that benefits him greatly, being able to step in and play right away. Overall, uh, the line for me has gone from a major concern to just a, a mild question mark at this point, just because you haven't seen it done in a game yet. But I still think this I, – I now think this can be uh, – one of the uh, one of the five or six best offensive lines in the Big Ten uh, this season, and heading into next year, uh, could be one of the top two or three in the conference if everyone can stay together and keep developing. Yeah, and you look at some of these depth uh, these depth guys. Uh, Devondre Love is a guy who, if healthy, he's yeah. a big body guy who could help out at tackle with that depth. Uh, and, and then you have Caleb Jones, who's blocks the sun when he walks by. Um, he's the human eclipse, uh, and he's <laughs> further along than than people expected. He might not yeah. play this year, but if push comes to shove, uh, and, and they need him, he he might be thrust into into uh, into playing time there. But he's a guy who, if he can clean up his technique a little bit, uh, a guy. He, he's a he's he might be the biggest person I've ever seen uh, in in I mean, person. He's, a, he's an uh, NFL tackle. He's an NFL tackle if he can clean up his technique. Like you said, he's further along than people expect him to be. Uh, for those that don't know, he's from Indianapolis Lawrence North High School. Uh, he's six eight. Who knows what he actually weighs? Uh, but he's not out of shape. I mean, he's really not. He moves pretty well um, for a guy that's his size. And it's a very hard worker. It, that's the high school that I went to, and, uh, you know, I'm familiar with him uh, and the guys that have coached him. And uh, they they just have great things to say about him. He has a really cool story uh, that we profiled in his, um, in his commitment piece. Uh, I, I'm rooting for the kid for obvious reasons, uh, root for all these guys. But um, I do think that Caleb Jones, just based on his physical tools, uh, 
if he develops his technique just a little bit more and continues to just improve his, you know, his strength and, and his footwork, uh, that's an NFL tackle. And you've got that guy that you have the luxury of being able to redshirt possibly. And then, you know, he might, he might play next year. He, he might just be a, uh, a rotation contributor next year. So, Indiana's offensive line is to that point now where they have guys with this kind of potential that they have the luxury of redshirting, letting them develop, and then they step in as redshirt sophomores or redshirt juniors ready to contribute. And that's where you're at. We might not know all these names yet because they've been on the bench for a couple of years getting ready, but you're going to find out that they're pretty good players. They might not be Dan Feeney, but they can be really good Big Ten uh, offensive linemen. Uh, and I, I think you got some future NFL guys still on this line. Yeah, and if uh, if this line doesn't perform, the next unit that we talk about, um, it doesn't matter if you have uh, Red Grange or Eddie George or, you know, Curtis Martin or whoever else back there. I, it, you know, if your line doesn't block well, you're not going to be running well. But let's talk about the running backs with Camion Patrick uh, being dealt uh, just a bad hand um, and, and not being able to come back from that ACL injury and getting a medical hardship waiver. Um, it, it, that To me, that it just opened questions and got you concerned. But after seeing a seeing couple weeks of practice, I really actually like this running back group. You, you know, you, you have Mike Majette, uh, who, who's slated to be the starter, uh, Devontae Williams, two guys who have shown flashes in the past uh, who, you know, they need to step up and play full-time snaps, um, full-time yeah. snaps uh, this year. And then you have Colt Guest, who we like coming, uh, coming out of last year, uh, who could get up the field and – uh, you know, Ricky Brookins is, is a gamer. He's a guy who could give you, you know, five to ten carries a game, be a solid special teams player. And it's just he's a guy I think the coaching staff trusts uh, to be that leader in that running back room to, to teach these young guys. Uh, Craig Nelson has looked good. He's a true freshman coming in. Uh, and the guy who's turned the, the most heads has been uh, has been Morgan Ellison. And, and Tyler Matee as well uh, has played really well. But Morgan Ellison uh, coming out of Ohio, uh, he broke his leg. The right leg his sophomore year, left leg his junior year, missed a lot of time in high school, came back to have a phenomenal senior year. IU scooped him up on signing day. Uh, this past February, and he's he's been the best back in camp uh, that I've seen. He's looks the part of a feature back. He's six one, two twenty five. Uh, get to the outside, and it's it's just refreshing to not see Divine Redding back there dancing behind behind the line of scrimmage and, and getting through four yards as as your feature back. You know, I, I like Divine. He's a good kid. He did a lot of good things for IU. Um, but he was a better complementary back uh, than he was starting uh, as a feature back. And I think this group, it is so diverse in terms of what these guys bring to the table that it's an easy group to root for. And if these guys stay healthy, they might not have that 1,000-yard back, but they'll have, you know, a couple guys getting, you know, five, six hundred, hundred yards on, on about his head, the half amount of carries that Devine had last season. So I, I really like this group. 
Uh, what are your thoughts on the running back group, TJ? But I think you said it with diversity. I think that that is the the name of the game for this this running back unit. Uh, you have Mike Majette and Devontae Williams that are kind of the, uh, I guess you would say, scat back types. Uh, ideally, you get them the ball in space, uh, get them to the outside, and they do most of their damage out there. You have Cole Guest who is uh, just a really powerful, explosive runner. He hits the hole very, very hard, uh, just very quick, direct to the point. Uh, you know, it's ball one cut and go. He's not going to do any kind of dancing back there. Um, I, I do have a, you know, you kind of wonder how durable can a guy his height be, but, uh, I mean, he's really, really well built. There's no question he's in incredible shape, and he's very strong. Uh, I'm not saying, oh, he's strong for a kid his size. No, he's he's really strong, period. Um, I I really like Cole Guest's game and his ability. Uh, and then you have Tyler Nati, who is obviously uh, just, I mean, he's a gigantic running back and I, I think really gives you a lot of options in terms of what you can do in short yardage situations and, and in the goal line. I think he can be utilized much better than he was last year, and I hope that he is. Uh, I I view him as being someone you use in short yardage, in goal line, and as a late game back. To I mean, what tired defense would want to try and tackle a guy Tyler Nati's size who just looks for contact? Uh, I, you know, no defense would want that, and I think he'd be really effective at just bludgeoning a worn-down defense uh, and killing off a game. Uh, and then, you know, you mentioned the, the walk-ons, Alex Rodriguez, Ricky Brookins. Both of them are just really good program guys. Uh, Morgan Ellison, obviously, I think is, is the player that if this running game is to go from interesting to really good, Morgan Ellison needs to be ready, uh, you know, not necessarily right at the start of this season, but pretty early on into it. He needs to be ready to take a good portion of the carries I'm talking, you know, 10 to 15 carries a game, uh, and he needs to be able to shoulder that efficiently and effectively. If he can do that, and if Morgan Ellison can step up and be kind of RB number one, he doesn't have to be a 25-carry-a-game guy. I don't think this team is going to have one of those, and that's fine. Uh, But if he can step up and be 10 to 15 carries of really good, effective running, uh, you know, averaging four and a half, five yards a carry, um, I, I think that you will have yourself a very good running game uh, that can be a lot more explosive than what we saw last year and, and create some more big plays than what we had last year in the running game. Uh, the key for me is going to be health of this group. Yes, it's very deep, uh, but, you know, that depth can get tested real quick if you've got you know, Majette and Williams and Cole Guest, uh, you know, Morgan Ellison, all these guys that, that have injury histories. And I, I'm not saying, no, oh, they're injury prone or they're weak or anything like that. It's just a very hard position. And that, that depth can get tested real quick. 
Yeah, and you hope these guys could stay healthy. I, I do think, you know, I'll disagree with you on the amount of carries. I do think you're going to need to have a back that carries the ball 15 to 20 times a game, getting that rhythm, yeah. uh, you know, kind of like Jordan Howard did against Michigan a couple years ago where you just feed him yeah. the ball and, and everything's clicking. But um, you're right. I don't think it's going to be a 30-carry-a-game guy or 25-carry-a-game guy. It might be more like Tevin where they had to – to limit his carries yeah. a little bit due to the fact that he was fighting a you know sickle cell trait um, and things like that, where maybe he tops out at 26 carries uh, one game and, and things like that. But I, you know, coming in into fall camp, I needed to see improvement in in the in some guys in the in the running back group and the guys I've been looking at Morgan Ellison, uh Devontae Williams, Mike Majette, uh Tyler Natee coming into all the things that I needed to see I I have I've seen. Um and, and to to call this a, a good group. Uh and, and I think it is a good group. So let's move on to the tight end group. Uh we won't forget about them because they are gonna play a bigger role this year than they did last year, uh which doesn't say very much. Uh, but, uh, yeah. you know, they, they have a really good tight end in, in uh, playmaking tight end in Ian Thomas. You bring back Danny Friend, who will help when you go against uh, teams with fronts like Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, uh, where he could chip, also be used in the pass game. He's not as dynamic a playmaker as Ian Thomas is, but he's a guy who could chip a defensive end. Uh, go out and, and, and catch the ball, get you 10, maybe 15 yards, and, and really help, you know, basically give you an extra lineman on that offensive line. And then you have Austin Doris, who's also been in the mix uh, in practice, running with uh, with the, the second team most of the time. Uh, and then Ryan Watercutter has shown the ability to catch the ball as well. And, and then you have true freshman Peyton Hendershot and richer freshman Sean Bonner, who – um, you know, fighting for that fourth spot. You, I would be surprised to see Hendershot, uh, redshirt, uh, but you'll see these tight ends used a lot more in Mike DeBoer's offense as that check down guy for they go. And then in the red zone as well, uh, the, you're going to see them uh, hopefully throw the ball to the tight end a little bit more instead of running up the gut into uh, the teeth of defenses and, and maybe use this passing game to, to loosen up the defense in the red zone and then uh, run run from there. So that's my take on the tight ends. I, I, I really think you have a good one in, in Ian Thomas. I think he, you know, he has potential to be a, an NFL pick. Hopefully he stays healthy. Um, and then you have Austin Doris and, and, uh, and Danny Friend, uh, who needs to stay healthy as well to, to shore up that blocking game and the physicality of that position. Uh, what's your take on the on the tight end position? Well, I mean, so much of it's unknown. We know that Danny Friend's a, a really good blocker and a reliable receiver. We know the capability that Ian Thomas has, although bases of other teams or even fans of IU uh, would be forgiven for not knowing who these guys are. Uh, because they were utilized so infrequently under Kevin Wilson. So I'm excited to see them be able to get involved in the passing game. We called for it all last year. And, you know, I'm not suggesting that we should be listened to, but uh, to us, it, it just seemed like you're having red zone issues. 
you're having problems converting on third downs, why don't you use these guys? And it it just never happened. Um, Ian Thomas, I think, uh, is a is a guy that can be a really good weapon. Uh, the question marks for me come after the first three, because uh, I think Austin Doris can be a very solid player, will be a very solid player as well. Uh, you, you do need three, you know, contributing tight ends. What happens if one of those guys get there? Is anyone else ready just yet to step up into that role? So, like you said, health for this unit is going to be a, a pretty big deal as it, it's not the deepest, uh, certainly not the deepest on the squad. So uh, that's my biggest concern for them, but I, I'm just excited to see them be able to get involved. Yeah, hopefully that they, they get that position the ball a, a little bit more uh, than they have in the past. And then that brings us to what might be the strongest uh, unit on the offensive side of the ball, the wide receivers, uh, who I, I would put up against anybody, at least in the Big yep. Ten, maybe even in the country. Uh, you know, we, we you have Simi Cobbs coming back off an ankle injury. He looks healthy. And 100%. You saw in the highlights IU put out of the scrimmage on Saturday, he was making ridiculous one-handed catches in the back of the end zone. Um, Nick Westbrook is another guy, another tall receiver. We saw what he could do last year. He has the speed to take off the top of the defense, uh, and he has good hands to go across the middle uh, and be a possession receiver as well. Uh, Luke Timian, uh, I was talking to Matt. We, yeah. And, you know, Luke Timmons probably going to be that guy in the slot. I was talking to, to Matt Weaver about this today. He Timmons reminds me a lot of, of Andrew Means. Uh, Andrew Means played uh, on that 07 Bolt team uh, and in the yeah. 08. And I believe he played in 06 too, uh, but he's a baseball player and he just caught everything. And that's what Luke Timian uh, has shown that, that big catch against Michigan State, the touchdown in the bowl game. Uh, big catch at Maryland a couple of years ago as well. He has the knack for making the big catch like Andrew Means did. Uh, then uh, he has uh, some speed to get up the field as well. And then outside of those three, this receiving core is as deep as any. You have Jay Sean Harris looks he, like he's back to his 2014 form uh, and without losing much speed, which is absurd when you talk, think about a guy coming off of two ACL surgeries, uh, on both knees, one on each knee, um, to have the speed that he had. And he had a really good 2014 season. And, and it's a shame that you didn't see him with Nate Sudfeld the rest of the year uh, in, yeah. in, the, in that season. But uh, he's a guy who might be your fastest receiver on the field um, when he's healthy. Uh, he looks to be back. He's going to battle Timmy in for that slot spot. Donovan Hale has been a revelation this camp. He's a tremendous athlete. He probably could have played basketball. I think he, he had an offer to play basketball at Florida State. Um, but he's another 6'3", 6'4", receiver with a big body, physical guy who could, you know, go deep or be used in the shorter passing game. He gives you another big receiver there in your in your top five, uh, so to speak. And then you have Taysier Mack, who I, I, I don't want to say a small receiver at 6'2", but he's, you know, he's you know, a little smaller than the rest of them. But he's another 
bigger target who could give you uh, give you some reps there. So you're talking about six guys right there. Um, and then you have WAP coming back. He's been limited in camp. Uh, you Ty Freifogel's another big back. This this receiving course is deep and as good as you know it, it might rival that 2013 um, receiving core. It's definitely deeper than that receiving that that receiving core yeah. on that team. But that the, those top three might be as good as those top three with Latimer Hughes and uh, Deweese Wilson. But we'll we'll see. They've got to play to their talents. Uh, Grant Hurd has high expectations for them, uh, as we've heard in his interviews. Uh, but, you know, we'll see that that's, that's where IU has the advantage on offense over these defenses. They have two guys who are six four six five. You throw in Ian Thomas. Defenses, you can't guard that. Nobody has – the Seattle Seahawks defense with these corners of unusual size uh, from a couple years ago aren't – it's not going to be there. You know, teams, even the best teams have maybe one guy who could physically match up with the semi Cobbs uh, or a Nick Westbrook or Donovan Hale. Uh, now that they'll, they'll have the athletes who could run with them, but in terms of, you know, bodying up, being able to jump with them uh, and maybe, you know, catch the ball with them, IU has there's there's going to be a weak link somewhere between Ian Thomas and, and those three receivers that'll get Lego open. So I it, it's very exciting to think about what this receiving core could do. Absolutely, yeah. When we talked about Richard Lego having all the weapons to have a terrific senior year, uh, the receiving core is a huge part of that, and. I think the ability to have Simi Cobbs and then Nick Westbrook, who this year will not be going against top corners. Uh, he'll usually be going against the number two guy instead of the top guy because Simi's going to draw that top guy usually. Um, but I, I think if, you know, this personnel uh, that Indiana has a wide receiver gives the coaching staff a lot of ability to get creative with the way you use these guys. Uh, you know, and, and I think the, Having Jason Harris healthy as an explosive element to the slot that Luke Kimian, uh, like you said, just incredibly reliable, and I think he can be a really, really good slot receiver. Jason Harris can add a, you know, there's going to be times when Indiana decides to line up five wide that, you know, you can put uh, five starting caliber wide receivers out there, no doubt. Um and, and as you said, defense opposing defenses will not have the personnel to effectively defend that. Doesn't mean you'll score every time you go that way, and it doesn't mean that there won't be some times where you're frustrated on offense um, because you're still going to have to really execute. Uh, and there's some good defenses you're going to go up against, but I think more often than not, you'll be able to say uh, we have a good matchup that we really like. When you're out there on the field with this receiving core, so uh, and when you have that as a quarterback, it's your job then to take advantage of it. So um, I think it's a the pieces are there for this to be a really really strong passing game. Yeah, and you know it it really does, and and this offense, you know, they've been playing faster in practice than than last year. Uh, and all those things. And they might not play that fast during the game all the time, 
but I think for practice, for the purposes of installing that offense, they want to go as fast as possible because if you could run this offense, snapping the ball every 13 to 15 seconds, you could run this offense, snapping the ball every 20 seconds. And I, you know, it's a trial by fire for these young guys. And, um, you know, it's, it's the potentials there. Uh, guys got to stay healthy. And if this line can, can live up to par, they don't have to be great. They just can't be right. turnstile um, on the offensive line. This offense, this offense could be more like the 2015 and 2013 offenses uh, than the 2016 offenses. Um, and that's if, if, if the defense, and we'll talk about the defense later on in the week, if the defense can live up to the expectations that they have set, um, and exceed maybe exceed those expectations. Uh, this team is going to be dangerous, and I feel really good about this team now, two weeks into fall camp. Um, and I feel much better than I did a couple weeks ago before fall camp started. And it, normally, I'm I'm not that gung ho on on IU after seeing them um, a lot, but this I, I feel really good. And, you know, whether or not that means they're going to break through or get to another bowl game, who knows? Uh, you know, that's why you play the games. But I feel really strongly uh, that this program is in, in a better spot uh, right now than I thought they were coming out of media day when you had lost Camion Patrick uh, for the year and you didn't know what was going on with Brandon Knight or you didn't know what you had at the running back position or the offensive line position. And he hadn't seen Richard Lego coming off that spring game uh, where he struggled a little bit, kind of maybe a little bit worried. But, you know, seeing him in practice, seeing, you know, talking with uh, with some of the guys who, you know, have seen him every day. We only get to see him three times a week, but seeing talking to the guys who get to see him every day, uh, you know, to, to back up my opinion, you know, really – it makes you feel good. And I, I'm excited for this offense and I'm excited to see this running game. And, you, you know, in 17 days, all, all I know is that if I use scores that first touchdown, that stadium might come down. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it, I, go ahead. It's um, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited as well. I think all the pieces are there. Uh, the key for Lego is just going to be translating this improvement to the games. The key for the offensive line is going to be translating, you know, meshing together and translating their play as a unit to the games. Um, the, the running backs, uh, you know, they're going to have to translate uh, the excitement, the positive momentum that we feel like they've generated here. You know, there's there's very little experience in that running back group uh, only one guy has had more than 60 rushes in a season, and that was Tyler Nati last year as a situational back. Um, uh, you know, at the receiving core, I mean, those guys for the most part are proven, and that's why we're we're considering them one of the best groups in the country. Uh, but you know, the tight ends, uh, it's you know, it's about yeah, you're going to be utilized more now. You got to step up and make it count. Um, so the pieces are all there. But just like anything else, it only matters when that scoreboard comes on. Uh, so I, I think that if if I'm betting on whether or not this offense 
uh, I won't put a number on it, but I, I'll say that resembles 2016 or resembles 2015. I'll say much closer to 2015 than 2016, largely based on the explosiveness that I think this year's team could have as opposed to last year's, which I don't think had that extra gear on it. So uh, to say that we are excited is definitely an understatement. Yeah, and to talk about the explosiveness, you know, people are worried about Mike DeBoard. He's an older guy, and I think it came with the, the stereotype of it's old guy football. You know, three yards of cloud of dust, yeah. you know, yeah. five-yard passes. But you saw what he did at, at Tennessee, and Tennessee fans are crazy, and they're basically running him out of town. Um, but – his teams led the SEC or were in the top two or three of the SEC in fourth quarter scoring, which how many times have we seen an IU game come down to, you know, IU's winning in the third, you know, late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, and they just can't get that last, you know, those last few points to push that lead to two scores and really put it out of reach uh, for the uh, opponent. And I think, you know, they had some explosive plays last year, but it was boom or bust. And I think this year's yeah. offense is going to be much more consistent. Uh, they don't need to, you know, they don't need to have a 50 yard bomb every play. Uh, they don't need a, a, a 70 yard run, but I think it'll, you'll have a much more consistent offense where you won't be relying on those big plays to score. And then hopefully all the red zone, you know, they spent a lot of time practicing on the red zone and hopefully, um, that pays off. And if you could get out of the basement of the red zone and really get, you know, to that upper part of the middle pack, uh, you're talking about a special season. Uh, you know, last year, Indiana, um, Indiana averaged 25.7 uh, points per game. If they do that, they're probably going to go six and six again. Um, if yeah. they, uh, if they do better than that, you know, if they could push that to 30 points per game, uh, maybe 31 or 32. Uh, in, in 2015, they averaged 36 and a half. So let's cut the difference and say it's 32 points per game. You're talking about you're having a yeah. good season, a really good season. Oh, yeah. And, and I think they have all the tools to do that. So uh, final thoughts on the offense. Well, I think, yeah, I think we covered everything. Uh, you know, my my concerns are just the uh, slight inexperience on the offensive line uh, combined with already an injury to Brandon Knight. You just never know what's going to happen with that unit. And I think it could not totally fall apart, but I I think it could, you know, an injury to someone like Koi Kronk or an injury to someone, uh, you know, long-term to like a Brandon Knight, that could be really damaging because I'm not sure Indiana right now has the ready personnel to step in and, and do anything about it. Uh, and then, you know, I'm just, I, I would be, I, we would be honest if we didn't say we, we worry about uh, this running back group's potential to stay healthy because uh, we haven't really seen it from this group yet. So we really like the way they look right now, but we haven't seen it on the field yet. So that's my concern. Um, but I, I really like the guys in this offense. I'm really rooting hard for Rich Lego because I know how hard he has worked. I'm really rooting hard for a guy like Jason Harris. I know how hard he's worked. And to be honest, I just really like this offensive staff. They seem like they have a lot of fun. The players love them. 
Uh, and I, I hope that, you know, I, look, Mike DeBoard, I know that his hire uh, drew the ire of some fans, mainly because they looked Tennessee fans celebrating his departure. Well, Tennessee fans, uh, you know, be careful what you wish for is all I'll say about that. And I, I, I really like Mike DeBoard's uh, addition in Bloomington. I think it was a very smart hire by Tom Allen. And, and I hope it comes through on the field because uh, he's a guy that I have a very easy time rooting for him and for this staff. Um, everything is still good right now. I, I just hope it translates to the field. Um, but my excitement level for this offense is certainly at a, at a higher point than it was entering last year because I believe in the potential that this personnel has uh, to get things done, and, and I will predict that they will average more than 30 points a game. Uh, I'm not sure what the number is going to be, but I, I feel pretty confident it's going to be over 30, and I'll, I'll I'll stick my name on the podcast on here with that. Yeah, I I, I you know it's we try not to drink the Kool Aid, uh, but it is the you know preseason. It's it's, it's like opening though. day in baseball. Every everybody's you know, going to the World Series on opening day. Um, and I, I just think, yeah, except the Reds. Sorry, Matt. Um, so, you know, we'll we'll see. But this offense, I feel a lot better about it uh, than I did coming into fall camp. We'll see if it translates onto the field. We'll see if they could hold up against this Ohio State defense. And uh, we'll get well, back on the air yeah, I mean, it's you cannot judge this offense based on their performance against Ohio State. Ohio State has right. one of the best, one of if not the best front sevens in the country, uh, and there's no shame in if IU gets you know shut down on, on there. Uh, now we'll see. You know, you take the first four games and you'll see where you, where we're at with the offense, but do not be too quick to judge. Uh, based on on Ohio State, it's an opening game. You're going against one of the top defenses in the country, uh, and we'll we'll see what they do. But I'm excited for the game. So excited for this game uh, with game day coming in. They have the uh, I'm blanking on his name, but they're having the the uh, national anthem singer from the Blackhawks game come in uh, to sing the national anthem. Game day is going to be the. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so. Anyway, we'll be back on Wednesday to talk about special teams and the defensive side of the ball. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for hanging with us uh, through all those technical difficulties. I'm glad we got that figured out and, and we could talk some IU football tonight. Uh, TJ, thanks for joining yeah. us. And, uh, guys, we'll have all our positional previews starting tomorrow with the offensive line uh, going out, HoosierHuddle.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have some big things coming up uh, this season on YouTube. Uh, we don't want to uh, do a spoiler, but we'll have some big things on game day uh, via YouTube as well. Uh, so subscribe yeah. to that so you can watch our YouTube channel and, and keep the comments coming. We love talking to you fans. So, TJ, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Yeah, looking forward to the defense one. Everybody have a good couple of days, and we'll be back with more. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. Thanks for bearing with us through the 
the storm a little bit, uh, and we'll be back on Wednesday to talk about defense and special teams. Other than that, enjoy the rest of your evening. We are only 17 days away, exactly 17 days away from kickoff, as it is 8 o'clock here in Indianapolis. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.